let's get to it packed episode we are going to be doing a full gear review what's next for aew the new japan stardom crossover and probably some other things but that's already a lot to get to um no real time for banter barely time for introductions my name's jake joining me is my co-host mitch buddy let's freaking go what an episode what a week dude um all right do just jump right into full gear so okay i lied a little bit of banter uh (laughs) how's how's post covid life for you are you still in lockdown no no i mean we don't even technically have a health order here anymore like i could have gone out with yeah but no it's i'm back to negative been feeling a hundred percent since about midday Saturday and yeah, it honestly wasn't that bad. I was way sicker two weeks before with whatever nasty flu bug has been absolutely sweeping our city. So yeah, not a huge, not a huge deal. It happens. Yeah. Um, what was your, uh, your full gear experience? Like you just hang out at home. Yeah, I was, I mean, originally I would have had a couple, couple buddies over, but you know, they didn't really want to come over while they still had their own us, so fair play. But I hung out and watched it at home. Wife watched about half of it with me, enjoyed what she watched. I had to warn her to plug her ears if Jamie Hayter won, so... <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, I... Um... Man, I... Yeah, let's just get into it. Um, let's start off with the zero hour. Um... I got to say, as a whole, this is probably, I, th- I think it's it, it's their show of the year. I, I would have to really kind of like sit down and go between that and Forbidden Door. Both of the shows were just top tier. Um, five hour show, man. It gets long. It, it gets long. Um, I mean, those are really. feel shorter. Well, yeah, I um, this was the first pay-per-view post-punk. Mm-hmm. This was the first one where, you know, his specter, I would say, didn't really feel present until the trios match. <laughs> until a certain point in the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there there were some notable things like big picture things that happened on this show, and I think we'll get to them in time. But um, big picture thoughts, what do you think of the show? Um, I think it's tough to compare to Forbidden Door just because that being a full crossover show and like a dream card kind of show is is a little difficult to you know compare for show of the year. But this was definitely the best like sole AEW pay per view of the year probably my third favorite one they've done i think but yeah i, I like to top to bottom basically everything either lived up to expectations or was better um you know maybe one or two things weren't quite as good as i would have hoped but 
overall there were matches that over delivered for what I thought, and that's that was a nice nice thing. And there's some big moments, so I thoroughly enjoyed it, top to bottom. Any thoughts on the multi person manage the the five versus five uh, best friends versus the factory? They're clearly doing a slow arc with Danhausen, similar to the rise that gave Orange Cassidy. I don't say that saying he's going to hit levels of Orange Cassidy, but they're slowly bringing out a more serious Danhausen that will actually win matches and be a credible opponent. Not dissimilar to how slow we saw Cassidy rise up. We saw the teeth spot for the first time. He's got new music. There's mm-hmm. there's going to be a long there's a long term plan in place for him beyond just being the the comedy guy with best friends. That was the the big thing to take out of that match. Um, I'm interested to see how his dynamic plays out now that the uh, best friends are. It looks like going to be feuding with House of Black. Uh, Dynamite tonight. House of Black showed up. Just took them out, took the factory out. Um, the trios match makes like makes sense without him in the picture, but you can't do that angle without him in it. Um, I'm curious how they're going to run that because obviously he's a fan favorite. It seems like house of black is going to be like they're leaning into being fan favorites. So would it make sense for him just to split? I, I don't know. I, or he might not even play a part. I mean, he might just come back down the road. But it, it's weird like, timing if he yeah. doesn't. What'd you say? I said he could just be like the valet role opposite Julia during the whole thing, too. Because she'll be at ringside the whole time. So I didn't think of that. That's probably a good call. And like Rocky will be back to Japan for Tag League and everything in the near Dude, it's been so good to see Rocky back in. Right? Whenever he pulled uh, Daniel Garcia off the apron, I was like, please, just give me that match on Rampage now, please. <laughs> I'll take it on Dark. I'll set the reminder on YouTube. Um, I thought I thought the match itself was fine. It it was it exactly what you think it would be. Now, yep. the next match was one of my favorites of the weekend. Uh, Ricky Starks beating Brian Cage was awesome. It like we've said for a long time, Ricky Starks is going to be a big deal. He's he's super charismatic. The fans are really behind him. We saw that again tonight in Chicago. Um, on the you know, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> sorry, my cat's playing with my cord. Um, Ricky Starks is super over. We just assumed that. He would get beaten down by cage, get beaten down by Archer. And that's an excellent way for him to uh, lose to Ethan page. But here we are. (laughs) Ricky Starks is uh, a man on fire and he beat Ethan page and is the surprise tournament winner. I think that caught both of us off guard. Um, I think it's the best case scenario because I'd much rather see MJF. Well, spoilers MJF versus (laughs) Ricky Starks, but yeah, we were uh, we were we're telling people to kind of brace themselves for Ethan Page, and now we don't really have to do that, mm-hmm. um, unless so help me, he's the challenger for Revolution. In which case, oof. Um, thoughts on the push of Ricky Starks? Uh, not like you know, huge push. He's obviously not going to be winning, but thoughts on the this current push and uh, that match against Brian Cage. 
both fantastic. The story they've told the Starks through this tournament has been perfect to get them get them over huge switching into the babyface role. Showing up tonight with all the tape, and I mean Ethan and him played off each other great in the match tonight too. As did did Cage. That was the best Brian Cage match in AEW. And the Chicago was crowd was really yeah. behind him. And and the best Ethan Page match in in AEW so far. So that's that's two for two and I, it's not an accident that starks brought it out of both of them with that that dynamic so i expect starks to lose a little quicker to mjf still being kind of banged up and mjf doing dirty tricks to get the win which won't be the worst thing in the world but it's going to be a big big road ahead for ricky starks and I don't know when his contract is due to expire slash renew or whatever, but he's going to get a good, a good payday coming very soon. I think. Oh, for sure. And I think he's one of those guys that Tony Khan definitely has to re up because I think he's a real flight risk to jump to the other place and become an instant star. Um, I thought the match against cage was incredible. It had, it was so much better than it had any right being. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was like four and a quarter. Like I absolutely loved it. Um, dude, one of these days, Ricky Starks is going to be world champ and that, that ride is going to be worth it. Um, let's see. Next up, the main event of zero hour, Eddie Kingston versus Junok Yama. Your mileage may vary on this. I thought it was solid given the limitations of both men. Junok Yama's older. Eddie Kingston's just not that great, but both guys went out there worked their butts off, gave it their all. Um, like we said in previewing the show, this is the biggest match of Eddie Kingston's career. And uh, he lived up to it. He loved it. It was really fun to watch. It was pretty contagious. Uh, his his little promo after two was awesome. <laughs> oh my Trying God. to sell some last minute pay-per-views. Yeah, buy the pay-per-view. Oh, they're telling me I got to go. Peace. <laughs> Mox and MJF are gonna beat the hell out of each other. What gotta go? The match I want to see is Brit versus what? We gotta go. Oh, bye. <laughs> it's awesome, but uh, you, you can't help but feel feel good watching that moment. I'm also hearing that it's you know seeming more and more likely Eddie goes on a little tour for DDT for a bit. I, he should be the champion of DDT. A few month excursion there, which I mean makes a lot of sense. I think that's going to be a big, big part of AEW's model going forward, too, is especially with all these relationships improving with New Japan and DDT. Yep. And, I mean, Tokyo Joshi Pro likely stardom soon, too. We're going to see yep. a lot of guys going for for three or four months' excursions, and I think that's a really good, good thing because you don't want them to get fed up not being able to wrestle when they're not being cycled into Dynamite and stuck at home miserable, so... They go overseas and represent AEW. That's that's a huge win. I think that's been the most disappointing thing is that uh, people like, uh, let's just say Miro, he's the biggest one on you know off the top of my head right now. He's not just tearing it up in some other promotion, just you know having the time of his life and touring the world. He's sitting at home, uh, which isn't bad. The fact that there is no off season in wrestling and Tony Khan is giving people time off, I I see that as a positive. But it also kind of halts any momentum that someone has. If like, you know, Lance, Ar- Lance Archer, for example, shows up, loses to somebody, and then goes away for four months before he comes back and loses to somebody, um, that will lose its appeal 
sooner rather than later. But anything else before tag league? So he'll be off for uh, the duration of tag league this year. Who's that? Lance Archer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that he was doing that. Yeah, I tag league is going to be really interesting this year. We can talk about it um, down the road, I guess. But I'm. I don't know. I'm kind of new Japan out right now. Um, the the time before Wrestle Kingdom always gets a little. I don't know. I kind of hand wave it. Nothing really significant happens. Cards already built. Uh, most part, two in a row. <laughs> um, so going into the pay per view, we were not very excited for Jack Perry versus Luchasaurus in a steel cage. I believe. Um, I was least looking forward to on the entire card. Um, well, the floor is yours to eat the crow and on the show. Holy fuck, did I ever. This over-delivered by a factor of a thousand from what I was expecting. This this is what a steel cage match should be. I I could have done without the spot where they broke out of the cage and Kristen got changed out and whatever. I mean, I get why it was there. But overall, it was two guys in a cage, David versus Goliath, the story. Luchasaurus beating the piss out of Jungle Boy for a while. Big, huge spot to win it at the end. The The dynamic of this match told a great story. They went like 18 minutes. It was as long as the trios match was. Like, it got time. And in terms of elevating Jungle Boy Jack to a higher level, this was a near-perfect first step for doing it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can move on from Christian for a while, because it seems like he's still got a long road to recover and just keep that on the back burner, but this match over delivered by an insane amount and wound up being one of my favorites on the show. So I completely had to, I mean, it, it was the one I was least looking forward to. I wasn't shy about it. And holy yeah. crap, did it get me going for the pay per view? <laughs> yeah, I went for, um, like you, I didn't really like them leaving the cage, but it had to set up the table spot, uh, which we got to talk about. Um, Jack Perry, like, t- like totally missed the table and like clipped Luchasaurus. And we are like, that could have been a tragedy to start the show. Like he almost completely missed. Um, that was, that, that was really scary to me. Um, but I think, you know, him, you know, getting busted up, doing his best Shawn Michaels impression, you know, doing the shout out with the attire. I, I think that is what's next for him. Uh, I think, you know, a little, little confident run. I, Honestly, I, I could see him being a challenger for the AEW title sooner rather than later uh, if he keeps up this serious run and just goes out there and has awesome matches. Um, that said, he needs to get away from Christian and Luchasaurus for a minute. Uh, maybe whenever Christian comes back, he can get revenge. But, like, dude, the, the rehab process for Jungle Boy is, has to be thorough. But this was an excellent first step. So, yeah, I was I was happy to be, you know, wrong on this one and think that it was you know like you said one least looked forward to matches on the show they started it off and it was a banger um speaking on the press conference (laughs) to elevating himself to stardom so jack came out later in the press conference i think he was like the second last person to talk and he opened the show right like he had he sat there for yeah. another three and a half hours until press conference time. Comes in dry up, blood. Still in ring gear, covered in his dry blood, eating pancakes by hand. 
Um, if you can't spot the hidden message, I'm not going to spell it out for you. It ain't hard to find. But, um, I, I, I really thought he was going to start off. Oh, sorry. What'd you say? I said he did also mention in there that he was looking to kind of move on from the Christian thing. So yeah. they kind of buried it there. I was fully expecting him to come out and just be like, I'm tired and I'm sick of working with fucking dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> fucking old, old ass dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> 65 million in reference to luchasaurus and christian yeah um <laughs> um oh man speaking of cm punk references um bef- <laughs> let's just get it out there um the aew trios championship match the defending champs death triangle cheat to defeat the elite didn't mean to rhyme but here i am throw in a slow beat and that's uh the worst hip-hop you've ever heard um this match was awesome when we previewed it we said potential match of the year contender it didn't get there for me but i still had an absolute blast with it um i was shocked that the elite lost and i was like okay let's see where we go with this and like an hour later they were like uh, that's actually a best of seven series, and that was only match one. Match two takes place in Chicago on Wednesday, and uh, floor is yours, man. Uh, full gear match, and uh, what happened tonight in Chicago? So, first of all, they actually pulled it off. They did it. We came out to Kansas. We came out to the Supernatural song that tugs at my heartstrings. I absolutely fucking lost it. I had it I had it queued up on my phone in case they came out to a regular elite song because I was ready to mute the TV, just hit the button and jam out myself. And then they did the little gears. They had their speech, like their their promo mm-hmm. script up at the top, and they started plugging all their references in. And I was just like, oh my god, please, 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 please. Lost my mind. Um, match itself was insane. But honestly, the bigger story is, well, I mean, we did have the story at the pay-per-view of the fuck CM Punk chants, which I popped hard for. And I thought it was funny. Like, in the moment, in the moment that I was on board with it, a lot of people lost their minds about it. And I'm just like, that's more of like them just saying, we're glad you're back. And honestly, I would get, I'd, I'd much rather have like a you, like, fuck CM Punk than a you deserve it chant. But I, I thought it was hilarious. I loved it. I ate it up. I mean, we're both pretty pro elite, so it's not a huge surprise that we like that spot. But well, but, and I'm still a big punk guy. He's like one of my favorites of all time. I, th- I think I think his you know his positives are incredibly positive. But yeah, I I'm I would be lying if I said I didn't get a kick out of the chance. Oh, it's awesome! And then we get to Chicago tonight, and the <laughs> soul. I couldn't even hear the song. I couldn't hear, like, I could barely hear the intro song when they came out. There was, they hot mic the booze so loud. Yep. I totally, totally caught off guard with how negative the response was. I thought it would be kind of close to 50 50. Uh, there were people cheering, but dude, the, uh, ooh, the people in Chicago definitely blame the elite, which is an insane position to take in this whole thing. But I mean, they get it. Fuck CM Punk chance, too. They came out as well. And it took a while. They did. They did make it out eventually, but yeah, it was. Um, 
loud. The the thing that I know, like remembered whenever I was watching this match is uh, since so all in being the exception. So just starting in AEW, the Young Bucks have never gotten like overly cheered in Chicago. Oh yeah. Like they started off against the Lucha Bros, which as you saw tonight, heavy Hispanic population, like dude, like Mexico is well represented in that crowd. Um, and then you think about like all the other times they've been in Chicago and it's like, oh yeah, no, they've been like out either outright heels or they were working against against Phoenix and uh Pentagon Jr. So yeah, dude. Um I don't know if they plan on being heels full time in Chicago. Like that's just um oh, who was it on Twitter? Oh, it was Matt Hardy on Twitter. So I was like, is this uh Shawn Michaels up in Canada? Like what's what's going on? Um, thoughts on match one before we get to match two. The finish surprised the hell out of me, and then as soon as we got the best of seven announcement, it made a lot more sense. Match itself was such a great welcome back match for them. Very intentional that we didn't actually get a one winged angel and we only got one V trigger. Kenny is way too careful in his planning. Um, we may not see a one-winged angel until match seven of this thing. Match one was just such a wonderful comeback. I was happy. Very happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was one of my favorite moments of the year. Um, Like you said, Wayward Son, they've wanted to do that for like literally years. Oh, yeah. And so uh, that, that felt good. A lot of people were just like, oh, they're using that like as a like hidden message towards CM Punk. I'm like, dude, like, come on. Like they've said they've wanted to do this yeah. for years. It's like, was it a happy coincidence? And were they being passive aggressive? Uh, probably, probably. I mean, because uh, which was like a, a, Hey, sorry, we had to keep you home for three months. Here's your song. Like, right. It's a little Here's bit of a 200 grand to go uh, pay Kansas. You um, spend on shoes. They ain't paying retail for this song. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I uh, I was excited to, probably the most excited I've ever been to watch BTE. Still <laughs> haven't done it. Um, watched it? No, nah, I haven't watched it. Haven't watched it. Talk about that. <laughs> uh, before we get into match two, I want to give you this quote that Kenny Omega gave to Sports Illustrated. <laughs> This isn't Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against CM Punk. It is people trying to show off their craft. You can boo Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks or CM Punk. But I hope you don't forget we're human beings struggling to show our art. Match two was riddled with middle fingers towards CM Punk. It was just one giant middle finger towards Dude. CM Punk. So the the Chicago crowd immediately against the elite. And I was like, again, this makes sense. It, it's punk's turf. The, they're going up against Pentagon and Phoenix. Like I, I get it. This makes sense. Um, the fuck the elite fuck Kenny Omega chance. I was like, Whoa, 
Like it's one th- like I get it. Like I'm probably like one of the biggest Bucks fans you'll ever meet. I get why people hate them. I totally get it. Totally there are times where I get frustrated. Like, I probably wouldn't like them as human beings. <laughs> it it just is what it is. So it's like I get that, but like Cohen after Omega, I was like, yeah. But um, the spot, I was losing my mind because it was during picture in picture, and I think a lot of people missed it. Was yeah, we all did? <laughs> no one watches picture in picture. They uh. Matt Jackson was going for a buckshot lariat and just fell right on his ass. And the crowd knew immediately what he was doing. Some people started clapping. It just made people boo louder. I mean, dude, Kenny Omega was about to do a plancha, did the, the, the sleepy motion. Dude, I, oh, was Kenny Omega started biting pack at one point. <laughs> and then he hit a go to sleep on pack. To try and win the match. Mitch, am I crazy here? Are th- There's two options. Mm-hmm. They are being the most... It's not even passive-aggressive, like, just, like, aggressively dickish about the whole CM Punk thing to get heat. Or Punk's coming back and we're getting a program with him and the Elite. Which Which is more likely? What's your gut telling you? My gut is saying, I mean, it's close. I'm going 62.5% that Punk is coming back and we're getting that program. That's that's the split I have right now. I think it's more likely that he's coming back than not. But I'm not so convinced that I'm prepared to like make it a huge majority. Like This is, I don't know how it works in American politics. In, in Canadian politics, this is a minority government. They didn't get all the seats in the house to win this. Does it work the same down there? I have no idea, but I don't do politics here. <laughs> um yeah. Mitch, do you have the balls to go on record and say that if it all out in Soldier Field CM Punk versus Kenny Omega, will you make the trip down? As long as I can afford it, I will 100% come. Let's go. I mean, it's it's all financial. That's yeah, that I, get was, that. I mean, COVID aside, that was the barrier to getting to AEW in the States before. So I it took everything I had to get to the one in Canada. But, you know, things are looking up pretty positively in that regard with the wife's new private speech practice, which you got until September. Way start eat, start eating ramen now. Yeah, work working for yourself at a high rate pays way better than working for the health region, it turns out. So it seems more likely. Um, Mary Rich, that's the secret to life, folks. <laughs> but no, I would absolutely come for that. Um, I'd have to shell out for good tickets too. I can't be one of the ones. Oh, I don't know about that. If they if they end up running that, tickets will be insane if oh, they I don't agree. do like like soldier field like an outdoor arena yeah but it was, um like you can fill that stadium on that match it's insane i thought match two was amazing um i might like it more than the first one a little bit just because of the crowd um my biggest concern with doing seven of these because this is going seven absolutely is that we get something incredibly predictable 
Death Triangle went up 2-0. Not a huge fan of that. I, I wasn't surprised at all. I assume I'm not surprised. No, I wasn't surprised by it, but it's like I I, I would like some give and take there instead of like a quote unquote like all time historical comeback from like three one or three oh like you know something something like that. Um I'm I'm just so happy to have Kenny and the Bucks back. Like uh this promotion feels right where it needs to be and it's crazy to say that without punk in it but it's like uh, honestly it, it was weird not having the like the titular elite around so here's i mean we've got seven matches i i trust their judgment that they've thought about how this can all play out and that the story that these seven matches can tell can be i mean it won't be for absolutely everybody it's never going to be when the elite are evolved we know that like right. they're not gonna, they're going. Oh to- no, people, people will start being like, yeah. "Y'all make fun of WWE for rematches, but we've done the oh, same match for yeah. two months." But this is going to be a, kind of an unparalleled idea, and one that we're not really going to see repeated in the company either. This is a unique situation and a unique story to tell, knowing that it won't finish until after Wrestle Kingdom, until after Osprey and Omega have had what will likely be the match of the year on January whatever. <laughs> Is it the fourth game? Always the fourth. <laughs> I haven't looked at. Oh, I guess fair enough. Doesn't matter what day of the week. Crazy Japan. Um, no, it's Wednesday because it Dynamite's running Seattle that same day. I get a couple weeks off, so it's nice for me. But um, <laughs> I can watch it in the middle of the night. But after match seven, the Elite wins. Death. Tri- We're thinking the end is going to be Death Triangle splitting up. Instead, the Elite wins. They're having their big celebration moment. Lights come out. Cult of Personality hits, Outcome Punk and FTR, and we immediately launch into that trio's program. It's not oh, far off when he'd be recovered. Could you imagine? Like, really though, could you imagine? Because if he comes back, that's one of the ways you can do it. Dang. You really could headline revolution with the trios match as the main event dude i don't hate that oh my god it even keeps the mjf story going he'll still have he's been bitching about being second fiddle and fucking yep and then punk comes back and steals his main event that would be his first thing his first title yeah his first pay-per-view title main event and punk steals it man Forget Tony Khan. We're the bookers of the year. Right. That's that's a two-year arc. Holy shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I yeah, because then you could do uh punk MJF at double or nothing, and then Omega Punk at all out, and then Punk can just get the fuck out of here for all I'm concerned. We did everything we need to do. Um dude, I isn't wrestling the best. We just fixed the world. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else before you want to move on? No, that's, uh, that's all for now. Okay. Um, let's get to it really quick. Um, my, I said it was going to be my worst match on the show. Spoilers. It was Jade Cargill defended the title against Nyla Rose. This was, I hated it. 
I hated every single moment of it. Um, I didn't find anything redeemable about it. Um, Nyla is still at the level she's at. Jade Cargill continues to just kind of flounder in matches that go this long. And it went eight minutes, like less than eight minutes. And it was still too long. Still too long. Um, I, again, I, I think that we just see Jade on a dark show and either a rampage or a dynamite that week. And then she can wrestle twice per show, but in like two minute squash matches, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think she'll ever be like the best wrestler in the company by any means, but like, dude, whenever you're getting exposed in an eight minute match, I don't really know what else to do with you. I think the answer is kind of what they're doing. I mean, right now she's going to enter this this kind of mini feud with Bow Wow to get the cross promotion and oh, dude, what it's going to lead to, who knows? But I mean, that probably that's her right. versus Kira Hogan with Bow Wow in the corner. So I think probably like a mixed tag. This is part of how I think that angle goes. So Kira Hogan just got kicked out of the baddies. So we've still got Layla Gray and a returning Red Velvet who's back now. Kira, I'm thinking, likely lines up with her real-life girlfriend, Diamante, seeming that Diamante got killed by Jade as well and had Trina turn on Diamante. I believe Trina's like a hip-hop girl. I don't, I'm not familiar with her, but I think that's what I read, <laughs> assuming I'm correct on that, too. Leads to a couple tag matches with Kira and Diamante against Velvet and Layla on Rampage and whatnot to, yes, eventually lead to Kira against Jade for the title after some type of mixed tag with Bow Wow and fuck, I don't know, Smart Mark. Just let him get his ass kicked because he can make a bump look good and it'll it's basically a comedy match at that point anyways, so run with it. I do like her matched up with Mark Sternling again, but like, dude, there's like Jade is very quickly and I think she's there with me now. Like whenever she's on my screen, I just I immediately I tune it out. It's white noise. I don't care. And that that's the worst place that you want one of your most over women in your company being. Um, and if I'm feeling like that, I have to assume that others are feeling like that too. I think the I mean, match aside, the Jade Nyla story got a really like really polarizing reaction. Like I really like that's it. fine. I just funny, but a lot of people were just knowing what the end result was going to be with the match, not into it from the start. I mean, it, it gave it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to be optimistic about it. <laughs> I could say nice things, but I just I, I wouldn't mean them. It'd be empty platitudes. Um. Yeah, I just I I don't know, man. <laughs> like. We're going to get to it in a bit. Like this women's division can be awesome. It can be really, really good. Like, you know what, dude, we're just going to have to write very angry worded letters to Tony Khan until he lets us take over the women's division. Because honestly, I think that's going to be the only way any of this shit ever changes. So uh, let's get into something that was much, much, much more fun. Chris Jericho defended the ring of honor world title and defeated Brian Danielson, Sammy Guevara, and Claudio Castagnoli in over 21 minutes. I did not expect this to get this much time, but I absolutely loved it. I was expecting something along the lines of like a 15-minute sprint, basically, 
but um, I the tension here was really good. I loved all the false finishes. I was not expecting this to be one of my favorite matches of the night, but here we are. Um, you know, this is going to be setting up Claudio versus Jericho. I don't know the fifth time that they've been in the ring together in a match. So um, I'm guessing that that's going to be your uh, final battle main event. I think this was a really good rehab project for Sammy Guevara too. Um, yeah, he looked really good in this match. The match against Danielson, the two out of three falls was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually ended his vlog as well now, which was where a lot of the cringe on him was stemming from too. They changed it up a bit and managed to separate him and Ty from what they've been doing. They're they're well on the road to, to rehabbing Sammy back into a believable person that that people want to boo. Because um, he has been there before. He's been over. I mean, people popped yeah. him hero. That was a big moment, and people were really on board for it. So, I mean, people popped him to beat Cody, too, but that maybe wasn't as much on Sammy as it was on Cody. But <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the rehab process is going to look like for Sammy. Uh, but it's it's going to be a long road back. Oh, absolutely. Um, it it always felt weird whenever he was a baby face because I'm like, this isn't Sammy Guevara. Like he is almost a dog shit. Yeah. So him being a heel, I'm like, okay, that's where he needs to be. But like he went way too far into it and people just despise him. And now he's like coming out to anime stuff. I don't know, dude. I, I would say, break him up from Jericho, but I think Jericho is his biggest defender backstage and is likely going to uh, make sure that he's always around Sammy because he sees such an Eddie like, you know, gusto in him. I don't know, dude. Um, Daniel Garcia versus Sammy would be a good way to uh, establish Garcia as a good guy. Sammy is a bad guy because Sammy just needs credibility at this point. Like that, that's really what he needs. Um, but yeah, dude, the Claudio Danielson interactions were amazing. Um, Jericho is always the theme of 2022 is you're kind of like, well, he's getting older. I don't know if this is going to work. And then he carries his own and it's like, whoa, I didn't know Jericho still had that in him. And I'm like that every other week now, basically. Um, which by the way, like his run this year has been insane. Like since September, so what was that? That was the uh, Grand Slam. He's defended that title or wrestled like yeah. every single week. He's been on a tear. Um, so I hope he keeps going. Knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt, anything like that. Uh, I think he's having a phenomenal year. And uh, him beating Danielson and Claudio and Sammy. It's a nice notch in the belt for a potential wrestler of the year candidacy. I don't think he's going to win, but I think he's definitely a dark horse candidate. And then tonight we got uh, Jericho versus Cishi for the ROH title. Completely clean match. Jericho bled poor, out of the chest. Pour one out for Chris Jericho's chest. Holy fuck. You ever seen a chest get open the hard way? <laughs> or like, I've seen people's chests bleed from getting like slapped around, yeah. but like he got butchered. Yeah, that like was that slice. That wasn't the little like 
bruises, like blood bruises that drip a little bit. <laughs> he got gashed open on his chest, dude. Ishii's got some sick nails, I guess. Um, <laughs> so let's see. What was after this? Ah, yes. Oh, oh man. Floor is yours for Soraya versus Britt Baker. Soraya's big comeback match. Definitely emotional moment on the runway. They were very focused on her brother, Zach, being ringside for this one. They pulled him up, gave him a little graphic showing who he was so everybody knew. Um, <laughs> brother is all elite. Very heartwarming moment for him. Um, I think like Soraya, he's had a lot of uh, substance abuse issues in his life too and is trying to keep it turned around and... <laughs> You could feel the emotion coming off him at ringside. I mean, there was nothing nothing inauthentic about that. That was really cool to see. The match itself, we knew what it was going to be. We knew this is her first time wrestling in five years. We knew she wasn't a ring general to begin with. And she had literally three weeks to take bumps to get ready and remember what to do. Likewise... Britt Baker is going to be wrestling it as soft as she can because you do not want to be the person that re-injures Soraya in her first match back. That said, they teased it. They did a they yeah they did the tease. That was the only part of the story I didn't really care for. But they did take a couple bumps that like showed that hey you know she's actually healthy. They weren't going overboard. There weren't like we weren't hitting a bunch of Germans in a row. But they did like the the twisting neckbreaker spot off the apron, which looked pretty gnarly and kind of showed like okay she's actually safe she can take real bumps it's going to take a bit but you know we're not afraid to throw her around a bit and and do that so i mean the quality of the wrestling in the match was never going to be high and and it wasn't it wasn't so this wasn't one you're going to write home and say it was a four-star match because this was not the match on the show that was ever going to be that that said i loved the actual story they told through the match the pacing was obviously going to be slow with uh with her shaking the rest off, but the way they told the story itself, the way they brought her brother into it, the way they kind of built to the finish, I, I dug all of that part of it. So I, I can't sit here and say I didn't enjoy it because I did really enjoy it. The wrestling was not top notch, but the story behind it was really good. And, you know, if a year down the road, Soraya still looks like this in the ring and all the matches are like this, then we have to have a serious conversation because you can't have those matches forever. But it's your first match in five years. There's going to be a lot of nerves. There's going to be a lot of rust. And there's going to be a lot of fear. Whether you do that on pay-per-view is a judgment call, depending on the reaction you think you're going to get. But for me, I dug the story they told, and I came away from this match actually happier than I expected to. It, The wrestling itself was worse than I expected, but the match turned out better in a way. So that's my take. Britt Baker carried her to a two and a half star match. I mean, Soraya said that in the post conference too. She said, Britt carried me through this match, period. I think you're right. But unfortunately, I think you're right. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, like we will be getting Soraya versus Tay Mello on TV, and it's going to be like. Away from Ty. Ty's going to kill her. But that's what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just like, dude, like, or we're going to get Sor Soraya versus the bunny. 
And that's like cool. That's gonna do nothing for no one besides people who like like the bunny and Serena. Like, Roman, watch your mouth. <laughs> and Brock. Demo God. Um <laughs> fuck you, you know what I'm saying. Um but like uh I I really, really want to go off here. The story of the match was fine. It was exactly what I was expecting it to be. But like totally the wrong finish because Soraya winning clean like that is only going to set her up for this like underdog like title run, which would be fine to set her up as a contender. But as soon as she has that championship match, I will be on pins and needles on if she's actually going to get that win or not, because that would be so damning for this division. I think they've learned enough to not do that. I also think it, you could do her building up to the title while Hater has it. And then when Hater beats Soraya clean, that does a really good job of setting up the Britt Baker Hater split because Hater did the thing Britt couldn't. And the jealousy starts to seep in from there. And we get that split action more. So yeah. Yeah. There's the- which I, which I don't mind, but that means that Soraya will have to be a world championship challenger which I I don't find her credible. I don't find her entertaining. I don't find her valuable. So yeah, this is the, her entire run in this company is going to be uh, really iffy for me. I just I I can't stand her. Can't stand her. Um, you know, it's one thing whenever you were the best woman on the roster when it was like you and Natalia, and like that's it. Like Kelly Kelly, shit like that. That doesn't cut it here. Especially when especially when we get to the women's championship match. Like, dude, this was so far away from being good compared to that. I mean, that was always gonna be the case. Well, right, but I'm saying like that that needs to be the standard for the division. That should be the expectation. That this entire show was like Four-star match, four-star match, four-star match, a woman's match. All right, let's try to get back into this. And then the woman's match kind of killed the vibe again. Um, I want this division to succeed. And it just, it feels like every single time they just, they, mm, I don't want to have the same conversation again. We've had it before. Um, it's a, it's a snake bitten argument. Uh, Cause I'm going to feel like an asshole no matter what. So let's get to Samoa Joe winning the TNT title from Wardlow and powerhouse Hobbs. Um, hated the finish powerhouse Hobbs seems to be a complete afterthought now. And we're going to move on to, I guess just a Wardlow Joe straightforward match. Um, I don't know. Vibes feel off on this one, but like we said, it makes sense to get the title off of Wardlow. Um, I just didn't like how they did it. I kind of hated this match completely. This was my least favorite match on the card. I I, I get it. Nyla. Like, this match. Whoa. Happen. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, I didn't expect Jade and Nyla to be a, a great match. I, I got a kick out of the stealing the title story. I laughed about that. I got a kick out of them coming out on the low rider where Shafir was dressed up like she was from next Friday. So I laughed and got exactly what I expected. I expected a hell of a lot more out of this match than what I got. This sun- I can see that. 
this like I wasn't down after Soraya and Britt. I really enjoyed myself in that match. This match was the one where I kind of had to rebound and go, okay, we gotta we gotta get back into this thing. That sucks because I like all three guys. I think it's just a chemistry thing and the fact that Joe can't really go anymore. Um yeah, this whole thing felt off, and I think we're gonna see that whenever we get the Joe Wardlow match, which I'm assuming they're building to. Um Dynamite was pretty vague. So we'll we'll see where they go from here. Um that is an insane take though, that you like this less than the other one, but it is. I, I, I appreciate all, your honesty. All things considered, it is. Um no disqualification. Darby Allen and Sting defeated Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. In 10 minutes, 59 seconds. Um, I liked all the spots in this match. These tornado tags are a blast. And it's so rad that Sting is having a better year than Seth Rollins. Uh, that makes that makes me... I would assume. I, I don't watch the Connecticut Fed. But come on. Like, no one gets that jazzed for his matches compared to like when sting comes out and almost dies six times in a match and then no sells it. it. Dude, even Darby started no selling stuff. And I'm like, this is rad. I, this is totally cool. Um, I thought the match itself was fine. And I was like, okay, cool. Maybe Jared can ride off into the sunset. And I don't have to really see him every week. Nope. He's <laughs> right back on TV. So, um, so much for that. As far as the match itself, it was good to see Darby and Sting get the win. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I always love these matches. I'm excited to see what's next for them. Yeah, you want to talk about another match that over delivered for me? This was the one. I mean, after I was super down off that, I just had a hell of a lot of fun with this match. I thought, I mean, if this is the way we used Jeff Jarrett going forward, I'm all for it. Again, spoiler alert that he came on the weekend, clearly inserted him into a program for the tag titles. I was like, well, fuck, that sucks. But after this match, I was thinking, this is awesome. What a great way to use him. And the spot with like Darby getting yeeted and Satnam just catches him like a fucking rag doll. That was hilarious. Oh my or God. Or Satnam almost killing Sting. <laughs> like, like <yeah. laughs> oh. I had so much fun with this match. I was smiling the whole time. <laughs> so this Wednesday when they interrupted the acclaimed, but that's maybe we can just get it over with the winners coming and move on with our lives. I don't know. <laughs> so help me. If like a month after coming in, Jared's holding gold oh, and him and lethal beat the acclaimed to end their run. That is like worst case scenario. Unless they're like one week transitional champs so FTR can beat them um yeah I don't know that's darkest timeline shit um (laughs) next up uh dude the the final four matches on this show were so good I would put them up against the final four of any AEW pay-per-view and I, I think that this might beat all of them um we got the AEW at the time interim women's <laughs> world championship. Uh, Jamie Hader defeated Tony Storm, and tonight on Dynamite, it was announced that uh, AEW and Thunder Rosa have agreed to have her vacate the title. So retroactively, Tony Storm's run counts, and now Jamie Hader. 
is your world champ. Um, I, I don't have any proof of this, but I'm pretty sure that we could hear each other screaming from the 1200 miles that separate us. That sounds about right. I mean, I screamed pretty damn loud when Jamie won the thing for the, in the first place. So to make it official and then later to rectify Tony's as well was, was a big deal for me. <laughs> My wife had walked by at that point and she was like, Whoa, that's a big deal. And she listened. She was like, uh, that crowd hates her. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> dude, uh, there's not too many people who are, are back in Thunder Rosa right now. No, no, so if she, if she, well, once, once it be like, once Jamie Hader won, I was like, there is zero chance we're doing Thunder Rosa versus Tony Hader anytime soon. Yeah. Like Jamie Hader. Sorry. Um, yeah, dude, I, uh, Thunder Rosa might be out. I think um, she is. I don't think we ever see her again. Yeah, like I said, she can go 50-50 with Natalia for the rest of her career. I don't really I'm care. Failed MMA career. They'll turn her down. Which is a bummer because Thunder Rosa has all so she has all the potential in the world, but it's it's all the backstage stuff that um right. Trips to <laughs> trips up too many wrestlers, dude. Um match itself was awesome. We had high expectations. I think it is my favorite women's match in AEW history. Um, that said, um, I don't like the fact that it took Reba interfering and then Britt Baker came out and interfered too. And then that still wasn't enough to beat Tony Storm and she had to hit her finish like that. That was a bit much for me. I understand the story that they're going to tell. Like, that's part of it. I get it. It's just for, like, for how high, like, highly regarded she is for us. Like, for her to win her first title like that, I was like, ah, that's, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. But with the way that the crowd's behind her, I would assume she's going to be getting a babyface run sooner rather than later. Uh, hopefully she has another match with Tony Storm. Winter is coming. Would be amazing to do a rematch. Um, any thoughts on the match itself? Definitely best women's match in, in company history. Um, they work so well off each other. I screamed so incredibly loud when Hater won. The, the false finishes definitely caught me. There they got me. Like every, every one of them. Peter didn't win. I was like, oh my God, that's it. Tony's winning. And I mean, I expected Tony to win, right? So that was right. That built to it as well. Like every time was like, oh, okay, that's how close she got. Now Tony wins. That's how close she got. Now Tony wins. And then when the buckle came off and they knocked Britt off the apron, I was like, oh, now Jamie's going to hit the buckle and Tony's going to win. And then they reversed it and it was just like, oh shit. Then she hits yep. the rainmaker and, or whatever. I forget what they call it for Hater, but just a, a ripcord lariat. Yeah, Rainmaker works fine. Um, <laughs> we know. Un- unbelievable. So happy. Um, also, I mean, Jamie Hater and Charlie Ramon for best couple in AEW because him on Ethan Page's toy vlogs is absolutely hilarious. If you, even if you don't like toy vlogs, just watch one with Charlie because he's a freaking riot. That dude is so funny. I just, like I said, I love the match. 
it's just I don't I don't like our girl finally getting the title after cheating three times in short I'm, order. I'm too happy about it to give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hangman could have um, wanted Omega to win, and I'd have been fine. With it. It's <laughs> the same thing. Like I'm enough of a mark for her. Like I don't care how you do it. Lie, cheat, steal, whatever. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a team that didn't have to do that to win their match, and that was the acclaimed defeating oh. Swerve on our glory to retain their tag team championships. Uh, story of the match was Keith Lee had enough of swerve and walked out and the acclaimed hit their moves. And that was that I assumed that we were moving towards a breakup, but then uh, on dynamite tonight, they had an off camera discussion. Um, I'm going to continue the, or guess that they continue towards a breakup. I don't think anything's going to change. Um, I think it would be a huge mistake to do a fourth swerve in our glory acclaimed match that's that's like the worst thing that you can do as i rave about a best of seven series going on right now and say i don't want to just do another one (laughs) so what'd you think of the match itself um honestly i was i was burnt out from hater winning that i was i mean i had a pretty good feeling that they were gonna do the the swerve and lee split so it took about half the match for me to get into it like the first half of the match was just kind of there and it was like, all right, let's get through the opening stuff to see where it's going to go. But then when the second half of the match hit and we did start getting mm-hmm. some spots and we built towards the climax of it, then I got really into it and I thought they did a good job with it, but it did take me about half the match to really, really kind of buy into it. But I also wasn't crazy about running this one back again to begin with. So I was always going to be a tougher sell on it. I think that this was Swerve's sloppiest match in AEW so far. Um, A lot of his like sidestep, like that sidestep, it's not a shining wizard, but it's kind of like a, like a back kick. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, Didn't they never connected. They were like so far away that like the people I was watching with was like, Oh, that's rough. I'm like, guys, I promise he's good. I just, I, he's just not, he's not laying him in. Um, so that kind of took away from it a little bit, but I still went for, although this match was an absolute blast. Um, and now I'm excited to see the acclaimed move on and defend the titles against other people. And then I find out it's likely going to be against Jay lethal and Jeff Jarrett, who didn't even win their match at the pay-per-view. So fuck it. Why not? Uh, as long as they hold the titles for a little bit longer, I'm fine. Um, I no longer think that they should drop the titles to FTR. Uh, but that's just me. Um, main event time. Mm-hmm. He did it. MJF defeated John Moxley in 23 minutes after William Regal helped him win. Um, we didn't get any explanation tonight. And, um, I hated the opening segment of dynamite. I thought that it was uh, incredibly anticlimactic and on a night where you're not going to be getting big ratings anyway, you kind of shot yourself in the foot. Um, I get the story that they're telling. I would assume Regal's gone for a hot minute, but I don't know. It just feels awkward still calling themselves the Blackpool Combat Club, you know? So I expect fallout from that. Um, The main event match itself was really good. Um, I'm a huge fan of AEW's main events and I definitely thought this one delivered. Um, 
Yeah, MJF is champ. It feels weird, but it's uh, it's good. His press conference was also awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. Straight was up good. interrupts Tony, comes in. Just kidding. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Again, he's shown Punk how it's done. Yep. I mean, even MJF, he's constantly making Punk references. Like, Phil Brooks is coming back. I'm just saying, I'd put money on it. <laughs> um, thoughts on the match thoughts on the angle thoughts on where we go from here because yeah. we've got a long way to revolution match was good um, I mean I was I was pretty confident MJF was winning once we kind of got into it I don't actually love Regal helping him win, but I'll live with it. Um, I do like heel Regal. I think that's a good call, but I wasn't crazy. I like it more than the firm helping him win. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just such a weird, like, did we just, are we just retconning that the firm was a bust? Is that what's going on here? I mean, like, if that's what's going on, that's fine. That's the thing you can do, but that's, that's just kind of what it feels like is that this was kind of thrown together of, Oops, the firm didn't work out, so we're just like Starks wins instead of heel page against uh, face MJF, a winner is coming, and so we just kind of retconned it and decided to turn Regal instead since we did have that as a backup plan. But, I mean, I like the match. I Happy MJF is champ. I, I mean, he made a punk reference literally the second he won and started doing snow angels on the fucking ramp, so clearly that was going to be going to be revisited, but I didn't mind Does... the So MJF is in the Blackpool Combat Club, right? No, no. Blackpool Combat Club's dead. I don't know. You're going to get, like, Danielson's going to turn on Mox and Claudio and go his own way. Wheeler's going to be pissed off and who knows what he's going to do. Claudio and Mox will kind of stick together and MJF just goes his own way and who knows if Regal sticks with them or goes with Danielson and does that, whatever. If, but... they're go- if they're going to feud with the firm, MJF doesn't have anyone in his corner. Blackpool Combat Club's right there. Unlikely tag Mox and MJF hate each other. Yuta and MJF have a weird relationship. Danielson, who knows what he's going to do at any given moment. And Claudio's just out there to kick ass. I think that there's some fun dynamics there. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. All this stuff is bizarre. I'm really interested to see how it plays out because after one week, it's really not clear, which I'm fine with. I mean, it was uh, when MJF saw filming this week and couldn't be there. Like, right. But it was anticlimactic. I mean, you didn't even get Regal, you know, talking shit about Mox, about how he was disappointed in him and how, you know, I don't know, anything, anything. Um, But I'm guessing that this this is definitely a story that will build and grow and go somewhere. I just I want I want a little bit more of an inkling, but that's fine. I can be patient. I can shut up. I can wait. Um. 
what I can't wait for is uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And one of the final shows to build to Wrestle Kingdom happened over the weekend with the New Japan Stardom Historic Crossover Show. Um, did you watch the whole show or just the final two matches? Um, I watched... I, I picked and choose. I watched a few matches. I didn't watch the whole show, but I watched... This show, besides the final two matches, was pretty rough, dude. I watched... Uh, the other one I watched, I watched Julia and Zack Sabre Jr. against Tom Lawler and Siri. And I watched uh, one other match. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. Zack Sabre, Tom Lawler is a match that on paper I'm excited for. And then the bell rings and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a long 28 minutes. <laughs> um. The, I just want to start with the last two matches. I think those are the most notable. Those are obviously the you know the ones that everyone's talking about. I thought the United States match between Will Ospreay and Shota Aminu was really good. Shota is so much better than I thought he was going to be. Like right. early on, early on, I I was like, oh, this is this is bad. Like this is, it. yeah, it, it's bad. But dude, this match was awesome. Um, I thought I thought it was. Yeah, way better. And again, like I think this this was really for me. It cements Osprey as wrestler of the year. Um, and after the match, lights go out, and uh, our boy Kenny Omega comes on and sets up the match against Osprey for Wrestle Kingdom. So you already said it. It's very likely, like most years, that the match of the year happens four days into January and we just have to ride out the next, you know, 12 months. Um, what'd you think of the match? What'd you think of the setup? Shota has improved so much between this, his set a few matches lately that have made me go like, Holy shit. <laughs> I love that he hit the death rider in the match. And mm-hmm. then they called it out. That was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. I hope we'll follow that up as I'm assuming Moxley goes to Wrestle Kingdom as well. Um, Absolutely. Osprey is still one of, if not the best wrestler in the world. Um, I love that Omega came out and started cutting the promo in Japanese. That was... So good. I'd like, even like when he says Will Osprey's name, he's still in full Japanese mode and says a Japanese accent. Like, and it was on purpose. He even addressed it after he says, I had to cut it in Japanese to show Will that this is still my home and he's still the Gaijin here. <laughs> yep. Oh, holy fuck. Felt good, man. Oh, it feels like uh feels uh, like things kind of went back to the way cathartic. they needed to be. That was very cathartic. He also did give a quote saying that he's not going back to New Japan. He's doing this as an ambassador of AEW. Yeah. So I don't I don't think everything's truly healed between the elite in new Japan, but, uh, it's a good start. Um, main event. Just get to it. Kyrie wins the IWGP women's championship after, or by defeating Mayu with Ibatani. Um, this match was really good. This is, this is what I want. Like whenever people talk about Joshi, it's like, it's the hard hitting, really fun stuff. And for whatever fucking reason, we can't get that in the States. And it drives me insane. Americans can't handle Japanese women because they don't speak English. Sorry, there's your answer. I said it. I mean, 
but I've also saw a match between Riho and Sheeta, and they couldn't even connect. So I'm not going to say it's entirely that, but I think it's a big part of it. Smash was so good. I love that they played into the history with Mayu not really liking Kyrie either, and that, yeah. that played into it. Oh, commentary did a great job, like reminding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Japanese commentary is always like the English, Kevin Kelly and them, they're always so good on commentary for New Japan. It's it's awesome. First match will be against Tam Nakano. First defense for Kyrie. I forget when, but soonish. And then uh, Sasha Banks shows up at Wrestle Kingdom to challenge, right? Yeah, I mean that's when she's allowed to start taking wrestle wrestling bookings. Is January? Just saying. I mean, um, you still have like. One of the big insider guys that's rarely wrong did say she's like out of her contract. If she did, you would assume it would come with a hell of a long non-compete. Like until 2023, she could very well just as easily show back up in two weeks until anything happens. Nothing's happened there. But January allegedly would be fair game if she did. Oh, yeah, I guess that is when the defense is at Wrestle Kingdom. It's going to be Kyrie and Nakano. Duh. Yep. It's it's all good. It's a... Uh... It's late in the year. The New Japan stuff gets a little kind of mm-hmm. lukewarm. Um, well, before we end the show, uh, for us here in the states, it's it's Thanksgiving week. Tomorrow's the the big day. I'm not the biggest Thanksgiving guy, but I thought it would be a good way to end the show. Each of us giving three things in wrestling that we're thankful for. Uh, you want to start us off? Yeah, um, admittedly. My Thanksgiving was like a month ago being in Canada. Right. Again, always feels like a weird day. I don't really celebrate it. I mean, I spend I spent a lot of time working in and around and with indigenous communities in in Saskatchewan here. So it's kind of a weird day for me where it's kind of like, eh. But that said, the spirit of appreciating some things about wrestling is not lost on me. So it feels like a cop-out to say I'm super thankful the Elite are back, but god damn am I grateful they're back. Like, that was... Th- those moments between that match, this coming out to Kansas, and then Kenny cutting that fucking Japanese promo on Osprey were so... Oh my gosh. Like, they just they made me feel good about wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that was going to be my first one. I mean, that's my biggest one. Like, I mean, fuck it. It still is. Um, yeah. Having, having the elite back, like I said, like it, uh, have you seen the God awful shirt design that they have up on pro wrestling tees where it's the AEW thing, but like, it's just the E and it's still like aesthetically unpleasing to look at. I'm like, uh, I, I, like that was the design for the Bucks trunks. I know which that was fine. But I was like, oh, I could never wear that shirt. That is, that is brutal. Um, so, yeah, so that that was mine as well. Um, and I've already given my thoughts and all that stuff. It, it's so good. Uh, I've had Kansas on repeat. So um, what, what's your second one? Uh, my second one is just the quality of the top women in women's wrestling right now. I mean, between Kyrie and Mayu Iwatani, you know, the tag match with Saber and uh, 
Lawler wasn't the greatest, but Julia and Siri are two of the best women in the world. Hater and Tony Storm. And I mean, I am so like getting an IWGP Women's Championship and having them wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom is such a bigger step than American fan. Like most of us will realize in the Japanese wrestling scene, getting women on a men's card is insane. We got three, and it's not hidden on a pre-show. Oh, it's not. We can't even watch those pre-show matches. They are truly dark. They're not available even on Stardom World. They may as well not exist. Um, We got three women's matches on the pay-per-view. Whether you loved or hated them, there were three of them, and that's a big milestone. So, just the advance of women's wrestling is what I'm super happy about. Hey, if this time next year I'm saying the same thing, and we just got off of a pay-per-view that had three awesome women's matches on it. That's how I know we're going to be heading in the right direction here in the States. Women for it. Reach. Um, My second one, uh, haters going to hate. It's Tony Khan. I'm so thankful for Tony Khan. Like looking at all of this shit, like if it was not for Tony Khan and the elite and Chris Jericho, I wouldn't be watching wrestling anymore. I wouldn't like, I'd probably be doing like a a retroactive, like uh, watch through of older territories. I never did, but I wouldn't be watching modern stuff. Are you kidding me? But we'll get into it whenever we talk more about him as obvious booker of the year when we do end of year. Uh, But what's, uh, what's your final one? My third is very simple. I am happy about the quality and the availability of streaming services for wrestling. We have just relaunched Honor Club. It has a huge backlog. It's got almost everything on it. It's easier to navigate. I still get the good version of WWE Network for all the old classic stuff I want to go watch. You know, AEW's pending getting a streaming deal. We know it's going to come soon where they'll have their back catalog everywhere. Fight Plus, Stardom, New Japan. The availability of wrestling and the amount I can watch from different companies is the coolest thing in the world. Um... My final one, we'll go ahead and end the show with this. Uh, we're running out of time. Uh, the th- thing in wrestling I'm the most thankful for, um, friend of the show, Tyler, he's going through a hard time right now. And just the loyal listeners that we have, um, the fact that, you know, we started off as a really small group and, you know, we're, we're trying to add people to it and grow and, just show people that how passionate you can be about wrestling and not just shit talk it. Um, stuff like that's really important. So we love you guys. Um, until next time I'm Jake. I'm Mitch. We're the being hall boys wrestling podcast. Have a good Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.